The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Angel Tarot Show with best-selling author and Angel Tarot expert, Radley Valentine. Plan your week ahead with gentle guidance from your angels, combined with the wisdom of Tarot, and create the magical life you deserve. Hey everybody, it is Radley here with the Angel Tarot Show here on mindbodyspirit.fm. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about a subject that I really love these days. I'm really into talking about life transformation and how we can make really big differences in our lives. So today I wanted to talk to you about a concept from my book called Manifesting Your Magical Life. And the concept is called Daily Magic. Now, this isn't magic with the aim of manifesting anything in particular or granting specific wishes, although practicing this does and will certainly help. But daily magic is more about keeping you in the energy of living a magical life all the time. So the following things that I'm going to talk about are things that I suggest that you think about every single day when possible, because they have two benefits. First, they keep you in a place of joy, hope, and faith. And two, that in turn brings about the second benefit of keeping your wish-making skills primed and ready for use at any moment. Now, concept number one I call stay awake. Now, this is about being aware in the moment which in my experience doesn't usually happen for most people while they're standing in line at the grocery store. The moment isn't something you're usually conscious of when doing the laundry, talking to a customer on the phone at work, or picking up the kids at school. A lot of that is autopilot. I say that it is akin to slumber. Being awake is that moment when, for a split second, you remember who you are. You remember how astonishingly beautiful you are. You see that life is a gift full of unending opportunities. Usually, epiphanies great and small pop into your mind. In the movie Joe vs. the Volcano, the character Patricia tells Joe that almost the whole world is asleep. Only a few people are awake, she says, and these people live in a constant state of total amazement. Well, if that isn't a perfect cosmic truth, I don't know what is. I love everything about that line. Think about being in constant, total amazement. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Being awake and therefore able to see all the amazing beauty of every person and everything around you is what the magic of life is all about. 
When I want to make sure that I'm awake, what I do is focus on things that I believe are magic. I try to slow down time and just be. That may mean going outside and just standing in the yard or in a park. It can be meditating or having a chat with my angels. It might mean sitting with my pooch Riley and looking into her soulful brown eyes and asking her, What you want to tell me today, little girl? Just do anything to snap you out of the reverie of daily life. I think doing that at least once or twice a day can change your life. I'm serious. The insights you get can really keep you on track. I'm not sure if it's possible to be awake every single moment. If it is, then I'll honestly tell you that it's not something I've personally mastered. Because there's just stuff that has to get done in this life on Earth. And some of it gets done via autopilot. But I do have a few helpful hints to make even mundane things more magical. So think of daily magic by envisioning that there's magical energy in everything you do. For example, sweeping the floor. Imagine that as you sweep, you're pushing all negative energy out of your house. Are you making a meal? With every ingredient you add, picture in your mind's eye that little magical sparkles of good health are being incorporated into the recipe. Are you getting dressed? Infuse magical elements into your clothing. Select colors that make you happy or wear sparkly jewelry or shoes. They don't have to be expensive, just a little magical. I also recommend choosing a magical word for yourself. A word whose sole purpose is to help you to snap out of negative thinking or to wake you back up to the magic of life. When you feel like you're not having a very magical day, say the word and think of something happy. If you do this often enough, then the word itself will be all you need to get a magical boost to your day. Now, speaking of magical words, don't forget these two little magical words. Yes and no. I highly urge you to learn to use these two magical words very carefully. Say yes to your dreams. Say yes to things that give you joy. Say yes to love. Say no to things that take you off course from your life purpose. Say no to things that make you unhappy. Say heck no (laughs) to abuse or people who take advantage of your kindness or giving nature. And say no to lovely and sincerely offered opportunities if saying yes would simply be too much. I like to say that a prayer is a wish your heart makes, because prayer is magical. If you've had a challenging time with religion in your past, like me, then don't even think of prayer as related to religion. Instead, think of it as your hotline to heaven. This is you texting the divine. This is posting a picture of your life on Instagram and tagging it with at God so your creator sees it. Personally, I have found music really clicks me into the magic of it all. I've been praying to the same meditation music for years now. 
However, if I don't happen to have that song with me, I still pray to something meditational or new age if possible. Now, prayer is powerful for two reasons. First of all, if you don't ask, you don't get. Now, that's a direct quote my grandmother often said, and she was absolutely right. Prayer is asking, and asking creates opportunities for heaven to give you what you want. Your requests may come in bits and pieces, but they do come, or something better comes in their place. The second thing is that when good things show up, your confidence in yourself and your ability to create the world you want to manifest shoots straight up. I grew up in a church that excelled at guilt. Unfortunately, there was a lot of fear-based teaching and judging going on. As you might suspect, that didn't work so great for me. When I was old enough to control my own destiny, I walked out of organized religion in search of my own connection with the divine. It didn't take me long to find it either. It was just sort of there for me. It was as if a couple of angels were sitting on a park bench reading newspapers, and I just walked up to hear one of them say, Ah, good, there you are, we've been waiting. It has taken me a long time to come to the place where I can say that I believe that organized religion is like anything else in the world. It can be a blessing, or it can be uh, not a blessing. And so when I walked away from something that was doing me true emotional harm, I suppose I may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. That is to say, I was young, so I figured that if any part of something was bad, then it must all be bad. One of those things I threw out with the bathwater was prayer. Now, curiously, it wasn't really the practice of prayer that I dispensed with, but the Word itself. I would always say, I'll remember you in my meditations. Now, since I am someone who would grow up to be an author and speaker, maybe it shouldn't be too surprising that I felt I needed a new vocabulary for my spirituality when I left organized religion. That's when God became the universe, the divine, or source. Prayer became my daily meditations. Potato, potato, right? The healing of all that tiptoeing around theological vocabulary really started for me back in 1996 when I came across an amazing book, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. It turned everything upside down for me. Well, actually, maybe I should say it turned everything upside right for me. Suddenly, God was out of the box. And that's when I got the word God back. Getting the word prayer back is a more recent development for me. To be honest, it's pretty much just amounted to me getting over myself as much as anything. The fact of the matter is, I never stopped praying. I just called it something else. Tomato, tomato. Now, please don't misunderstand me. As I've already said, I truly don't believe in my heart that there's one bit of difference between God, universe, source, and divine. They're all just synonyms for the same thing, just as my daily meditations were just prayers. But whether you know them as meditations or prayers, they're extremely important in our magical lives. They give us connection to the divine. They allow us ways to express our hope and our fears our gratitude, and our desires. They remind us that we, too, are of the divine. 
were magical children of God. And how cool is that? So when it feels to us that our prayers aren't being heard, if we feel that our requests aren't fulfilled, it can make us feel cut off from the magic. And that's not cool. All of our prayers are answered. The problem is that we may not recognize the answers, especially if they're different from the kind of answering we were envisioning. So here are my five easy steps to getting answers to your prayers and noticing the response that you get. Number one, know what you are praying for, but also be open to something better. I think that people often get it in their minds that things have to be a certain way. And it's important to have what you're asking for crystal clear in your mind. But why wouldn't you want God to bring you something better if that's available? Whether it's a relationship, a career change, or the answer to a question, have it clearly articulated in your mind when you pray. Be in faith that the answer will come and that you'll know it when you see it. But then end your prayers by saying that you accept this or something better and mean it. Be awake to answers that are different from what you're expecting or that come in a way that's different from what you anticipated. Now, I know this sounds a little like the last bit I just brought up, but there really is a difference, and the difference is in the noticing. Let's say you prayed and asked God for a duck. Hey, just work with me, okay? And maybe the duck is a sign for you. I don't know. But in any event, if you're so focused on asking for a duck that all you do is look and look and look for a duck and nowhere can you see a duck, then you're going to be pretty sure that your answers for a prayers for a duck went unanswered, even as you trip over that swan standing right in front of you. Most of the people who tell me that their prayers go unanswered simply don't have their eyes open to the crystal clear answer God just sent even if it was better than what they were expecting. Next, pray with gratitude, not with fear or begging. Gratitude is a very important part of prayer. Praying with fear in a begging sort of way is pretty much just convincing yourself that nothing is going to happen. You're closing your eyes to the answers heaven is sending you. On the other hand, gratitude is very open-eyed and expectant and motion. Pray with the faith and certainty that your answer will come in the perfect way and in the perfect time. And when that happens, give thanks. By the way, if patience isn't your strong suit, ask God to send you some intermediary signs or answers that the big answer to your prayer is coming, and then trust that. Next, let Archangel Sandalphon help you. Have you heard of Archangel Sandalphon? Well, his name roughly means brother. However, I think it should mean big brother because this dude is tall. So tall that he is said to have his feet on Mother Earth and his head in heaven. He is the emissary for prayers and he lifts them from Earth and hands them to God. He is one of two humans from whom God is said to have elevated to Archangel status. So if you've got an archangel just standing around waiting to help you with your prayers, why wouldn't you let him? Next step, pray regularly. 
Now, I don't include this step as some sort of saying that if you don't pray often, God won't answer your prayers. I don't like that sentiment because it puts God right back into a box and God doesn't fit in a box. But prayer does give you confidence. It's like anything that you practice. You're just going to have more faith in your ability to do it successfully. So it's fine if your prayers for a given day are just, thank you, God, for giving me an awesome day and amen. The more you pray, the more you'll hone your skills to see the answers that God is sending, and God is sending them. The next concept I want to talk to you about is called the magical power of silly. Now, I am a fully self-aware, open, out-of-the-closet, silly person. Nearly every close friend I have has some measure of silly in them. My sister and her husband are afflicted with silly, and my nephew and nieces come by their silliness completely honestly. I also have to confess that I'm probably a silliness carrier. The most serious of people, if they spend any time with me at all, start showing signs of silly-itis within a very short time. If you listen regularly to this podcast or attend one of my lectures and you don't have any silly in you, then I must warn you that you're at risk for exposure to hopelessly silly shenanigans coming in your life. So don't say I didn't warn you. I hardly think I need to tell you this, but things in the world are extremely heavy right now. I mean, really, it's, it's just too much, don't you think? I'm serious when I tell you that I feel as though the number one thing I do on social media these days is hide political posts. I just can't take the energy of it all. It seems to me that the energetic weight on the shoulders of so very many countries around the world right now is overwhelming. The burdens, stress, fear, it's crushing the joyful spirit of many people, which is why I no longer watch the news. The problem with that energy is that it suppresses our ability to manifest the things we truly want. When our thoughts are so turned towards worry and fear for the future, we're not in a place of creating much in the way of happiness. But there are antidotes to the negativity. There are ways to push back the worry and bring back in the lighthearted joy in our lives that we're divinely due. Meditation is a good antidote. So is exercise. But I think one of the most powerful ways to push the gray away and bring in the sparkly light of laughter is silliness. So I'm just going to go right out on a limb here and proclaim myself a silly expert. So if you find yourself in a situation where you need to rehab from seriousness, I've got you covered. Here are some of the ways that I can recommend that you can bring more silly into your life. First of all, I really think silly works best when you're practicing it with someone else. I mean, yes, you can be silly by yourself, but somehow it lacks some of the oomph of doing it with a friend. Find yourself a silliness partner and start acting all willy-nilly silly. Number two, if you have a young child in your life, they are true experts at silly. Sit down with them and let them guide you into the world of joyful frivolity. Number three, Dogs are also happy to go on a nonsensical journey with you, at least mine are. Just get down on the floor and roll around and play with them and make funny noises. Number four, one of the things I do is to text something silly to my best friends. At least one of them will jump in with both feet and join in. All of them will if they aren't busy with something else. It's just important to find the funny in everything you can, and then laugh and laugh and laugh. 
I'm sure you can think of your own ways to bring up your inner silly child. Use it to push out the worry and bring back your joy. The next concept is to follow your heart most of the time. This is mind versus heart. It's a conflict as old as humanity. Do you listen to your intellectual advice of your noggin, or do you follow the pining of your heart? We in the spiritual community have a tendency to say, always follow your heart, but sometimes it's not that easy. And while I generally tend to agree with that point of view, I don't know that it's always the right path. Part of the problem lies in the perception that following your heart has been a mistake. You fall in love with Sam or Sue or take a big risk to chase a dream and things don't quite go the way you expected. You stop trusting yourself. And when you stop trusting yourself, your ego really kicks in and takes advantage of that. This is what gets you into the heart versus mind dilemma. People tend to think of their minds as being separate from their hearts, even from their spirits. How many times have you found yourself saying, Oh, my head tells me to do this, but my heart says do that. As if your heart and your head were that metaphorical angel on one shoulder and devil on the other. More often than not, you may think of your heart as being the angel and your mind as being the devil, but that's a bit unfair to the mind. In its own way, your mind is only trying to help you and protect you. Our minds aren't big into risk. Our hearts are more willing to say, ah, just go for it, especially if the question at hand is romantic in nature. Is there anything in life that offers us a greater high or a bigger crash than love? And as we consider this the domain of the heart, we tend to give in. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. However, do you, a friend, or a family member, have a tendency to get stuck in a pattern or an unhealthy cycle. A repeated routine when it comes to love. Ever known someone who just keeps attracting the same kind of partner over and over and over again? Usually when that happens, it's not a good thing. And when your friend has fallen for someone who treats them badly, for the fourth time, Wouldn't you tell your friends it's time to listen to reason before doing it again? This involves being aware of the pattern, and the mind is the analytical expert in your metaphorical consulting group. And still the heart is beating fast and saying, oh, just go for it. So let's talk about what to do when your heart says go left, but your mind says, oh, heck no, go right. First of all, let your mind have its say. Trust me on this, because it's going to anyway. It will invade your sleeping dreams or just hover over you like a cloak of anxiety. It's not going to go away, and you shouldn't want it to. It might have a point, you know, so do yourself a favor and give it the floor. So what does that mean, you ask? Well, do this. Find some quiet time alone, put on your very best objective listener hat, and grab some paper and a pen. Now write down everything your head has to say about the decision you're trying to make. Do not argue with your head. Just write it all down. If you let your mind say at peace, then usually it will quiet down. Once you've got it all down on paper, there are some things that you should look for. First of all, are you experiencing deja vu here? 
Are you seeing a pattern in your behavior that you need to address? If we keep our love life example going on here, are the reasons not to proceed in the relationship with your new heartthrob the same reasons you left the last two romances? Because if they are, then your mind is trying to say, please, can we not do this again? Does the choice that your heart wants you to make feel as though it's out of integrity? Do you have a sense that the path you're about to go down feels morally wrong to you? And are you going to like yourself in the morning? Look at every item on the list that your mind gave you for following its lead. How do you feel about each one? Is it logical or does it feel to you like it's fear-based? Because living your life through fear is simply no way to live. Okay, so now it's time to let your heart back in. If your mind starts to act up, just say aloud, Dear mind, thank you very much for all your advice. I greatly appreciate your desire to help me and keep me safe. I promise to consider your point of view. But now I need you to be quiet and allow me to sort out my feelings. I know, it seems silly, but seriously, I've found that letting my mind have its say Thanking it and then asking for a moment alone with your heart really does work. If your heart is asking you to follow a well-worn path back through the same forest that you keep getting lost in, then I would highly suggest you reconsider. However, if you can look at your mind's list of arguments and truly, objectively, tick them off as fear based out of alignment with your experiencing life to its fullest, then follow your heart. Chances are your heart is going to win but let's not tell your mind that. The last concept I'd like you to consider is what I call wishing away time. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel as though time just continues to pick up momentum. I used to think that this phenomenon was an aspect of getting older, but it doesn't seem to matter whom I bring this seemingly whirlwind year concept up to, young or old. They're all in agreement that time is flying faster, and faster. And with that comes increased stress to get everything done. Most of us work in a world with deadlines. And speaking of which, why do we call them deadlines? What a terrible word. Couldn't we call them lifelines? Because really they're just dates to help us to get the most out of life, maybe? I don't know, maybe sports enthusiasts would prefer goal lines? Nevertheless, my life is full of them in some form. Book deadlines, card deck deadlines, magazine article deadlines, my electronic calendar is awash with them. And therein lies part of what is accelerating our time, our desire to accelerate how much we accomplish, not just in a given year, but in a lifetime. We're slaves to society's definition of success, so much to do, but not enough time to do it in. Often we just act and hope for the best. Maybe we should have thought things through a bit more, but who has time for that? Well, frankly, we should. I have a dear friend who used to say that she felt like she was a slave to the tyranny of the urgent. And what she meant by that was that there are so many urgent matters to attend to that she never had time to focus on the big picture. And when we don't focus on where we want to go, we often wind up someplace that is less than what would be satisfying. 
So many of us are severely under-vacationed. We need a rest. We need time to think. Time to slow our gallop towards the finish line. Not only so that we don't miss out on the joys of life, but also so that we don't forget ourselves and not win the race we meant to participate in. We might win someone else's idea of the right race, but not ours. A lot of people are saying that 55 is the new 40. As time flies by, what we consider to be middle age to be a higher and higher numbers. I clearly remember growing up thinking 55 was ancient while I now think it's an age where things are just getting started. Still, as I get older, I also feel this sense of time encroaching upon my goals, and that if I'm going to get everything done that I want in this lifetime, I had better step up the pace. But stepping up the pace is part of what makes time go faster, so isn't that counterproductive? I'm very careful about not wishing away time. Have you ever caught yourself saying, I can't wait until spring, or I can't wait until vacations, or the holidays, or graduation, or retirement, you name it. This is wishing away time, when your focus is on a future date and you're not living in the now. Having your attention on what is to come may seem to make time stand still, but my experience is the opposite. When the anticipated date finally rolls around, I always look back and think, where did the time go? And we all experience vacations going by in the blink of an eye. Once you've wished time to move fast, it's tricky magic to wish it back to going slow for any given week because your inner manifester is running on high momentum. You may have noticed that I am a big proponent of lists. I have them everywhere, and I usually rewrite them at least once a week. Making lists helps me stay focused. It keeps me thinking about what really matters and allows me a little freedom from the tyranny of the urgent in order to focus upon the fulfillment of the rewarding. I also believe it keeps time from just slipping through my fingers. Another method I use to keep time under control is to allow for magical moments every day. Look for and embrace those poignant, awe-filled, or hilarious experiences, and then hold on to them, even if it's just for a few minutes. It's a great way to learn how to use your magic to manipulate your personal experience of time. Find time to think. Find time to take quiet walks. Make lists. Review your goals. Make sure you're headed where you truly, truly want to go. And most importantly, be in the now. So those are my thoughts on living daily magic throughout every day of your life. Now, if you like this and you're really into life transformation like I am, I have a new video series coming up that it will be live and free called The Three Keys to Magical Transformation. It's coming up soon. Again, it's completely free, and you can find out all about it by going to radleyvalentine.com forward slash magic. So that's it today for the Angel Tarot Show. I will talk to you again next week. Stay tuned after the break for your message from the angels regarding your personal questions. Hey, everybody, it is Radley here with your angelic weather report for February 18th through the 24th. 
Now we are using my upcoming deck, Animal Guides to Row, which will drop on March 5th. So let's talk about the Angelic Weather Report. I'm going to be pulling three. No, I pulled four cards this week. I don't know why. I just felt like I was supposed to, and I was glad I did. So there are four cards this week that have to do with the week of February 18th through the 24th. These cards are meant to be read together as a whole, not necessarily in sequence or anything like that. This is the energy that we're all going to be experiencing during this very fascinating, maybe a little bit challenging, but ultimately successful week that we are going to be experiencing. So I have pulled four cards from Animal Guides Tarot. I have also pulled four cards that have archangels on them from Angel Wisdom to Rogue cards in order to provide you with additional guidance, not just from the animals about the energy that you're going to be working with, but also from the angels who can help you work with that energy. So let's go ahead and get started. So we are going to have a look now at the four cards that I have picked. So I've picked four cards. So here they are. So the top ones are the Angel Guides Tarot cards. And the ones behind them are the Angel Wisdom Tarot cards that provide us our angelic guidance. So let's take a look at how we're starting the week. So we are starting the week with the King of Fire, the King of Fire. The King of Fire is inspiring, dramatic, ambitious, and wise. And the card says, now is your moment to step up for a leadership role. Don't back away from the spotlight uh, as your plans will be successful so long as you stay focused upon the big picture. So the King of Fire is definitely a really successful person who loves the spotlight, who loves to actually be out there. Maybe you don't love the spotlight, but maybe there's something that you're planning which will put you in the spotlight and you're going to have to think about, well, okay, am I going to be in the spotlight? Well, I guess I am. So uh, this is the Katanga lion. The Katanga lions are very majestic animals. They're often referred to as the kings of the jungle. And it's not just their power and bravery that um, allows them to have this air about them. It just exudes royalty. So in their regal ways, they're like the domesticated house cat, but times 100. They have the sense of loyalty and tenacity that's perfect for the card. So when you see the King of Fire and you see the Katanga Lion, you know that now is the time for you to be courageous and precisely target your personal and professional goals. So let's take a look at who might be able to help us with that. If we take a look at this card behind it, we have Archangel Gabriel. Now that makes sense because Gabriel is the Archangel of creativity, of motivation, of communication. So the King of Fire is a very... Um, creative card. And so this whole thing of, wow, I've got this great idea, this great thing that I want to do, so let me get on it. The next card is Two of Air. Two of Air, this is Dots and Dogs. Two of Air reads, procrastination and worrying about others will, and worrying what others will think are blocking you from making a decision. If you're torn between your own desires and someone else's, follow your own inner guidance. This is the card of indecision. This is where we have two or more decisions that we're trying to make. And so we're really like having a difficulty with deciding which thing to choose. And so with Two of Fire, 
we have to pick. And so here we have on this particular card, we have two Dotsons, a long-haired Dotson and a short-haired Dotson. And so this card basically asks us, okay, so long-haired or short-haired, which will it be? In either case, Dotsons are sweet dogs. They're known for being energetic and devoted, but they're a little bit stubborn. Because of this, they can alert you to what you're that you're taking too long to make a choice that's before you and can represent a great opportunity that you could let slip by due to indecision or over-analysis. So what have we got here? We've got, oh, I've got this great idea, but we need to make a decision. Who's going to help us with that? Well, Archangel Haniel. Haniel is the archangel that helps us with things like our intuition and our psychicness and our ability to be in our divine inner feminine. So this, she can help us to know which decision to make from an empowered place, from an empowered place. So next up, we have three of air, rut row. So this is a very, this can be a very challenging card. This card reads, sadness is part of life, but you don't have to endure it alone. You may need a little time to heal, but you, once you work your way through the emotions, you'll be stronger than before. So what does that feel like to us? Well, we have this great idea. We have this indecision where we can't make a decision. Maybe we're having a sense of loss. Maybe we're feeling like, oops, I missed my opportunity because I waited too long. Or maybe we're just in this place of I can't make up my mind. I feel like I'll lose if I do and lose if I don't. And so we're feeling a bit of sadness about this. So this card is ruled by the rose-breasted grosbeak, and they are beautiful birds with a red crest that is almost heart-shaped on their chests. And for this reason, they represent healing from heartbreak and emotional pain. They are a reminder that time heals all wounds, and joy will come back into your life in due course. The Grosbeak also asks you to practice forgiveness of yourself and others and to release the past. So here we have this message that is right here in front of us, and it's basically saying, look, it's like, oh, you got a great idea. Okay, yeah, you you hesitated, you procrastinated, you're feeling like, oops, I missed it. But that's not really what the cards are saying. But who can help us with this energy? Who can help us? Well, let's take a look. So the card that we have here is Archangel Sandalphon. I loved that. That is perfect. Archangel Sandalphon is the Archangel of Prayer. And here in this card, he is comforting someone that is feeling a little down in the dumps. And so Sandalphon is the Archangel of answer prayer. He can help us to make our prayers be heard to the universe, to God, to the divine, to source, so that, and get answers back that will help us to be able to answer those prayers. And so what do we have next? We have three of fire, three of fire. Well, three of fire is a great card. Here we are back in the sort of the energy that we started at the beginning with sea turtle. Stop to take time to review and make long-term plans, capitalizing upon your past successes. It's appropriate to put your, pat yourself on the back for all your accomplishments, but you may also need patience for the next phase to play out. So what do we what have we got now? Well, what have we got? Well, we have a great idea. We're having difficulty making decisions. We start to get worried that it isn't going to happen, and we almost would go into a sense of grieving about it, only to go, oh nope, I'm good. It's all all right. I need, but I need to do lots more long term planning. Three of Fire is a card that is long term planning. It is not short term planning. It's like, how do I make this work over the long term? And so, who can help us with that? Well, I don't know. Let's just take. Take a look and see who we've got here. 
And we have got Archangel Zadkiel. Zadkiel is a great archangel for helping us to compromise, to take ideas from one person or another person and blend those two things together. He is the archangel of memory, but he is also the archangel of forgiveness. So maybe the need to forgive ourselves for any things that we did where we were like indecisive and feeling really bad and to let ourselves be rich with the joy and the happiness of what is headed our way. Uh, once more, we've got great information, procrastination, of, or not making a decision, feeling like we're defeated, only to pull uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> so that is our angelic weather report. I wanted you to know that I have a free, free, free masterclass coming up entitled Three Keys to Magical Transformation. Those three keys being angelic guidance, tarot mastery, and divine empowerment. Video one is about angel tarot, and it's where our journey begins. It's the, For our kickoff, we'll explore the fusion of angelic wisdom with tarot magic, discovering how to connect with divine guidance, and understanding the angelic influence in tarot to start your empowering journey towards transformation. Information. Video two is Unlocking Tarot's Magical Secrets, The Divine Wisdom Unveiled. Now here we'll divide, dive deeper into the mystical world of Tarot with divine wisdom as your guide. You'll learn how to harness the magic within the cards, interpret their messages with precision, and empower yourself to provide profound readings for yourself and others. And finally, video three is Becoming the Magician, Your Transformational Journey. In our final video, we will unveil the true magic of the journey and explore how Tarot, angels, and divine guidance, oh my, work together to empower your spiritual growth and transformation. Embrace your inner magician and discover the path to lasting empowerment and enlightenment. Did I mention that this is absolutely free? Well, it is. And so I hope that you will join us. You can sign up for it by going to radleyvalentine.com forward slash magic. So that's it. That is our angelic weather report for the week of February 18th through the 24th. Make it a good week. Take this information that you have got here. Take this stuff and use it to your best benefit to make it a good week. You've been listening to The Angel Tarot Show with Radley Valentine. To discover more, visit RadleyValentine.com slash podcast. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.